We've been talking on Sunday mornings about who Father God is. You know, a lot of people uh, today are trying to define God. Um, and we have people even outside of the church who are not born again who are trying to tell us who God is. And, you know, even if you were religiously taught, the Bible says the traditions of men make the word of God no effect. And all of us have traditions, but those traditions uh, make the word of God of no effect. So if we're going to know who God is, we have to know from the word of God who he says that he is. It's very clear. I hear people say all the time, well, God is mysterious. No, he's really not mysterious. His ways are beyond finding out. That's not true. In the New Covenant, he's revealed himself through the written word of God, and he reveals to him us, he reveals himself to us all the time. And so uh, then we've been talking a little bit about this, and I want you to know, because I want you to be really confident about this. Um, uh, you know, the Bible says about Jesus that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and so he's the same yesterday, today. And forever. And then in James it says about God, there's no variableness. No shadow of turning with God. Now, if you remember, we talked about this. Was it algebra we learned this? For me, I think it was maybe 6th, 7th grade. I don't know when they learned it today, but you all know what algebra is, right? Do you remember they used to have those variables? And you plug something into the equation and the variable changed the answer. But God is a constant. I said God is a constant. And so he said, there's no variable with him. There's no shadow of turning with him. And so one of the things I want to reinforce in you, um, you can look through Genesis, through Revelation. Listen to me. God has not changed. Somehow, sometimes we think think in the New Testament, God was an angry Old Testament God and a benevolent New Testament God, but it's just not true. God has always been good. Sin has always called out for an answer, and today Jesus took everything, all the pain, all the punishment, he took upon himself. And we have a new and better covenant. But can I tell you, the old covenant wasn't bad. The promises of Abraham weren't bad. That, that's why it even talks about in Galatians that as we're in Christ now, that we can walk in the blessings of Abraham. God's always been good. As I've been reading through Deuteronomy a lot, I've really just kind of fallen in love with that book a little bit. And even though that's an old covenant, it tells us a lot about who God is. And so we know this, God has always been good. No, God has always been good. God has always been gracious. God has always been kind. God has always been that. And he still is that today. And so I, I just want to review to you. I just want you to know that how good your God is. And remember last week, we began to look at the compound names of God. You know, Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Rapha, uh, Jehovah uh, Shalom. We looked at all those, right? And, and so God is telling us who he is. And there's hundreds of those names. We usually only look at a few. And I look at the few that I can pronounce right. But there's so many of them. But there was a one name that is not a compound name, but that name is Abba. 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 We sing a song around here sometimes in worship called Abba. Who is Abba? Abba means, it literally means daddy. He is our father God. He is our daddy. And so I want to continue to look at that, and I want to look at God as your father. And again, you need to make sure that we need to make sure that no one is forming our opinion of God except for the written word of God. Don't have an assumption of who you think he is or what he does. Find out who he is and what he does through the word of God. 
And that way we'll be clear. And because if we know him, we can make him known. And we want to make sure that we're making him known by who he really is. Not our opinions, not our ideas. And if you know who he really is, then he can be that to you. Right? And so God is Abba to us. He's the Father. And so I wanted to see this, and we're going to start um, in John's Gospel, chapter 8. Jesus is discussing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know, Jesus never had, a, had trouble with the heathen. He just had trouble with the religious people. So the religious people act like they knew God, but they didn't really know him at all. And here he's making, I think he just, this is a lot right here. John chapter 8, verse and 38. Um, Because he he was talking to them um, that if you are Abraham's seed, uh, I know, verse 37, I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Verse 38, I speak that which I have seen with my father. And you do that which you have seen with your father. Uh-oh. He, he's drawing a line. He threw down the gauntlet. He's calling it like it really is. And they answered and said to him, Abraham's our father. And Jesus said to them, if, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. In other words, uh, the children act like their parents. We know that because of children's church. We know what goes on. Anyway, the teachers know. Because this stuff of, honey, we only do this in the house. We don't do this in public. That just doesn't go. It happens out there. So it says, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Verse 40, but now you seek to kill me. A man that has told you the truth, which I have heard of God, this did not. So Abraham didn't try to kill He says, verse 41, you do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, uh, we haven't been born of fornication. We have one father, even God. So they kept trying to argue back and forth. Jesus is telling them the truth. And they're like, "Um, no, we're from God. And Jesus is telling them, I'm from God and you ain't. Verse 42, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came of myself, but he sent me. So Jesus, what he's doing right here is something really, really important. There are two fathers. Notice that Jesus didn't say, because even in that time, they had false gods, false idols, false religion. But he only said, he only dealt with there's two fathers. So upon the earth right now, spiritually speaking, which means naturally speaking, and you as a born-again believer must understand this. There are only two fathers on the earth. They're either of your father, God, father of our Lord Jesus Christ, or you're of your father, the devil. There is no middle ground. There is no other fathers. There's one of the two. That means there's only two families. There's only two families. That means there's only two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. There is no uh, middle ground. There's no gray here. There's no gray here. Two families, that's it. Two kingdoms, that's it. Light and darkness, that's it. Say, well, no, you're making it too simple. I know that's the gospel. If you make it complicated, it gets beyond. that. The Holy Ghost doesn't make things complicated. Jesus didn't make things complicated. 
We're supposed to be like little children. You know, we, you should, we should, so there's two kingdoms, two families, two fathers. And Jesus was telling the religious people, you're of your father, the devil. Now, I don't recommend you going around telling people who are not born again that you are of your father, the devil. You're the son of the devil. We, I don't recommend you do that. I don't think you're going to make a lot of friends and influence people. You're calling everybody a son of the devil. But you and I need to know because of the kingdom and the way things work that they're either of the Father God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, or if they're not born again, they're of their father. They have a father, the devil. There is, there is not a no man's land area here. It's, it's clear. Jesus said it. It's clear. All right? So... Just to give you an illustration of that, in Acts chapter 13, the first service, I got my um, sorcerers mixed up, and I mixed up two stories. So I'm going to give you the real one here, Acts chapter 13. Um, So we're going to look at Acts 13, and uh, Paul uh, is ministering. um, And so I want you to see this um, in verse 6. Acts 13, 6. When they had gone down through the Isle of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus. So he was a false prophet. So he was acting like a prophet, but he was a false prophet. And uh, they called it, the Bible calls him a sorcerer, which was the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. So this sorcerer is high up in the government. But Elias the sorcerer, for that's what his name is, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So he was blocking the deputy from hearing the word of God. He was a sorcerer. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, put his eyes on him. So he's having himself a Holy Ghost Jesus moment, just like Jesus when he was saying, you're of your father, the devil. Okay, so let's look at this in verse 10 in the Amplified Classic, just for time's sake. Acts 13.10, Acts 13.10 in the Amplified Classic. And he said, you, Elias, who are full of every kind of deceit and every kind of fraud, you son of the devil enemy of everything that is right and good. Will you never stop perverting straight paths of the Lord? Now listen to me. The son, he calls him a son of the devil, which is really strong. I don't recommend you going around calling everybody that. But he said he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And he's making a distinction. You act, because remember they called him a false prophet. You act like you know God, but you don't know God. And when the real truth came, he tried to block the leader of that area from hearing the word. And he said, because, so what does this son of the devil do? He's full of every kind of deceit. In other words, he's a liar. Every kind of fraud, a fraudster, pulling uh, hocus pocus, slide of hand. It's really this, but I'm going to try to make it look like that. You son of the devil. He's an enemy of everything that is right and good. And he perverts the ways of the Lord. What does it mean to pervert? It means it, it, it's, it's, it starts right, but you pull it off from what it really is. Really for your own benefit, for your own gain. It's interesting to me, and I want you to see this because you and I need to be very clear about this. There's those of us that are sons and daughters of God, but if someone's not born again, they're sons of the devil. Okay, so I don't like that. Well, 
That's what the word says. First John chapter 3, verse 10. First John 3:10. Can you get me a Kleenex? First John 3:10. So now we can tell who are children of God. Everybody say we can tell. What does that mean? Because some people say, well, how can you know? Right? Well, you can't tell if someone's born again. Is, is that true? Well, you, it's just between them and God. Is that true? I remember one time we were doing some street with um, house to house witnessing. It was me and Iris uh, Rivera. She's in Guatemala. Oh, don't forget you know, the, the teams in Guatemala. If something comes up, you should pray for them, all right? They're going to do a quick, fast, good work. Amen? But me and Iris, we went to the door. We knocked on the door, and this man came in. He was really mad, grouchy old man. And so it was a number, number of years ago. And uh, um, so, well, you know, we're here to pray with you. Can we pray with you? And uh, uh, he was just mean and nasty. And, uh, but anyway, he said, it's none of your business. It's personal between me and God. If you're born again, it's not personal. It's not between you and God. How can we tell we are children of God? So you can tell if someone's born again. How? We can tell who's the children of God or we can tell who the children of the devil. Again, you're either, children of God, you're either a child of God or a child of the devil. Y'all children of God, right? If not, we can fix that real quick like. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. So how can you tell? Is it easy to tell? Very easy to tell. If a believer, a believer, someone who's born of God lives righteously, does right. How many know you've been made the righteous of God in Christ Jesus? Right? And so we're to do things, we're to be righteous. And the other one says that if you don't love the believers, how many of you know you and I are supposed to love believers? Well, how, who's a believer? Well, everybody who has believed that Jesus is the Son of God and they were raised from the dead. That makes them a believer. And you love them. No, there's a bigger place for an amen. If you can't say it, you better. If someone is born again, if someone believes that Jesus is raised from the dead and is born again and is going to heaven and their name's written in the Lamb's book of life, even if they don't agree with me about other tongues, I love them. Even if they don't believe with me about that it is the will of God for everybody to be healed, I love them. Even if they believe in a different kind of rapture, I still love them. Who do I love? Every born again believer. Every one of them. It doesn't matter what they look like. Don't get mad at me. Don't write me any letters. Doesn't matter what they vote like. Doesn't matter where they go to church. If they're born again, I love them. So do you love them? You know, I've been doing this pastoring thing for a little while. And it's amazing to me to the people that try to make us, Pastor Ron and I, and a church, Cornerstone, compete with other churches in town. Well, they're growing and they're doing this. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to cheer. I'm going to say hallelujah. We're not, I told one person one time, they're really, we're trying to make us compete. And I said, you know what? We're on the same team. We're on the same team. You don't, you shouldn't compete with your teammates. I think sometimes in the United States, we forget about that. But you go to other nations and it don't matter what, as long as they're born again, it don't matter what they put on the outside. We're together. Everybody say, I love them. But you really got to do it. Not just that, you got to do it in action. You got to do it in deed. You got to do it in posts. 
You got to do it. Why? It's the sign that you're born again. Now, do you, do, do you have to be best buddies with everybody? Do you have to agree with everybody? Do you have to have lunch with everybody every day? But you, no. But you have to love them. You have to love them. You have to love them. It's, it's just who you are. All right. We'll move on. I hear you. I, I hear you. I'm moving. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I wanted you to see that. It's very clear in the word of God that you're either of your father, God, or you're of your father, the devil. There is no other choice. There's no middle area there. It is one. So let's continue on with this, though. So how can we tell that we are born of God, that we are children of God? John 8, 42, again, it says, um, if God were your father, you would love me. So we love Jesus, so we know that we're born of God. First John 4 and 7 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Now, I'm not talking about the world kind of love. I'm talking about agape love, the God kind of love. Let us love one another, for love is of God. Did you know you can love someone um, and not agree with them? You can love someone and not participate in their sin. You can love someone and still call what they're doing sin and call it wrong. You can love them. It's about your attitude. It's about your heart. It's about how you handle it. Let, let us love one another for God is love. Uh, and, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. So are you born of God? The love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, and you are a person of love. And then let's look at Ephesians 5.1. Can you put that up in uh, the uh, Amplified? Be the followers of God as dear children. Put it Amplified Classic if you can. Ephesians 5.1. It says this, Therefore be imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example as well-beloved children imitate their father. So if we're really born of God, we're going to imitate God. So when we show, remember what Jesus said to his disciples? Remember one of them said, well, show what Philip said, show us the father. And Jesus went, have I been so long with you? You asked me to show you the father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father because the father and him are one. Well, I don't know if we, you know, I don't know if we're ready for this, but the world ought to say, if they've seen us, they've seen the father. That's the way it's supposed to be. If you've seen me, you've seen me act like God, talk like God, walk like God. I am not him, but I am a son of his. I have his DNA flowing through me, and I should imitate him. I should imitate. I should follow his example. You remember Paul kept telling everybody, follow me as I follow Christ. But so we're supposed to follow him. As well-beloved children. How else can we? So, so if, if, how can you tell if someone's born again? How can you tell if someone's in relation with the Father that they've come into the kingdom of light? Is that they're going to be imitating what God's doing. They're going to be following his example. First John 1 and 6. It, it says, if we have a fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So how can you tell? Can you tell if someone is in fellowship with the Father? The truth of the matter is, yes, if I'm in fellowship with the Father, I'll walk in the light because he's the light. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'm going to walk in the light. If I have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, in other words, if I'm walking in darkness, that means I'm acting like the devil, talking like the devil, having thumos, blowing up, living in the flesh, uh, you know, cussing. Um, you know, listen to me. As a born-again believer, 
Um, you know, even stuff that is not take cuss words, not taking the name of the Lord in vain, those things should be gone from you. You shouldn't talk like the world, act like the world. That F word shouldn't be in your vocabulary. I'm just telling you. Why do we want to act like them, talk like them, walk like them? That's darkness. If we say we have fellowship and walk in darkness, we're liars and do not the truth. How I many you know if we have relationship with him, we're going to do the truth? Everybody good? Everybody good? Let's look at this, 1 John 3. I'm not sure. 1 John 3, amplified classic. But he who commits sin, what? Who practices evil doing. So it's talking here about someone who is constantly living in sin. Is, is of the devil. How I many you know that you, you, can't, you can't slice and dice that any other way? He who commits sin, who practices evil doings of the devil, takes his character from the evil one. So someone who's living in and practicing sin, it's about their character. Or later you're going to find it's about their nature. It takes his character from the evil one. For the devil has sinned, violated the divine law. From the, What is sin? It's, it's violating the word of God, divine law, from the beginning. The reason the Son of God was manifest, visible, was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works of the devil. Aren't you glad that, 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 that Jesus came and undid the works of the devil? But whoever practices or commits sins is of the devil. So sinners sin. Come on, I tell you this all the time. Birds fly, fish swim, dogs bark, cats meow. Sinners sin. And so listen to me. You were once one of them. Aren't you glad you're not anymore? But I don't know why you keep expecting them to act different. Why you get mad at them that they won't act different. They can't think like you. They won't ever think like you. Well, I, I won't accept that. Well, what can happen is if they accept Jesus, they can change. But you even know yourself it took you a minute to change. After you got born again, it took you a minute to get the word of God in you, find a good church that taught the word of God, and started to grow. Listen to me. I, I, I'm not saying we have to yield to what they're doing. Please don't. Accept what they're doing. Please don't. I'm just saying, don't get mad at them. Understand why they are the way they are. When you walk in darkness, it's because you're of the devil. If you commit sin, it's because you're of the devil. Aren't you glad you're not of the devil? Hallelujah. Let's move on. Verse 9. No one born or begotten of God deliberately, knowingly, habitually practices sin. So the days for you and I of practicing sin are over. Say, I'm not a sinner. I've been saved by grace, and I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So deliberately knowing and habitually practice sin, those days are over. Why? Why? Because I'm born again. For God's nature abides in me. So see that word nature. We had, there was, before we got born again, we had the sin nature, the old nature, and the devil was our father. We had his nature. But then you got born again, and you not only changed kingdoms, you got a new nature. You're a new creation. 
And so that new creation, that new nature does something different. For when God's nature abides in his, his principle of life, the divine sperm remains permanently within him and he cannot practice sinning because he's born or begotten of God. In other words, when you go to sin, the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you convicting you saying, don't do that. Your conscience will bother you morning, noon, and night. That's the Holy Ghost doing his job saying, don't go that way. That's not who you are. If you practice sin, you're going to get the results of sin, which is the wages of sin, which is death. He's always saying, no, that's not who you are. Don't go that way. It'll bother you. Listen, if it ever quits bothering you, that's when you're in trouble. Verse 10. By, by this it is made clear who takes their nature. It's made what? Clear. So there's no, I don't know. It's made clear who take their nature from God and who are his children and who take their nature from the devil. If you're of your father God, you got a new nature, you act like him. I didn't say you were perfect. I didn't say you grew up overnight. But you are growing and you are walking in the light and when you walk in the light, you see darkness and you don't want any part of it and you're going to grow. And you're going to grow. You're going to keep walking in the light. But those who are not born again are in the dark. Their father is the devil. They've got the nature of the devil and they're his children. Now listen to me. If there are, there are 8 billion people on the planet, if 2 billion are born again, which is very optimistic, that means one-fourth of us are born again, are children of God. Then three-fourths, or six billion, are children of the devil. That can't stay that way. That's not a good harvest. So why is it important for you and I? And, and you know, uh, we, we send teams all over the world and, and working on people to get born again. But as the body of Christ, we have to be understanding of this, that those God wants to be their father. He's ordained to be their father, but they have to choose him. But until then, they have the nature of the devil. Why are we talking about this? Because, see, when you know who, that God is your father and you know you got a, good na- a new nature, then you live different. No, so uh, no one who does not practice righteous, who does not conform to God's will and purpose, thought and action. So we'll begin to do what? Because we have a new nature and we're righteous, we'll begin to conform to God's will. What is God's will? The Word of God is the will of God. We'll begin to conform to God's purpose. God's ways are not beyond finding out. He's given you all the purposes, all the plans right here in the book. And so we begin to know His purpose for our lives and, and, just, and the purpose of everything. Thought and action is of God. Neither is anyone who does not love his brother. He just keeps throwing that in there. I guess it's kind of important to him that we love our brethren. Amen? Come on, don't let the devil do anything to cause you not to love the brethren. I didn't say you had to like the brethren. I didn't say you had to agree with the brethren. You just got to love them. And you know whether you love them or not. And don't let you get, let anybody, if you know for sure someone is born again and you can know by their actions, you can know by their deeds. You shouldn't, you shouldn't talk about them, tweet about them, post about them, anything negative. You should just pray for them. Amen. I'm not saying that everyone who's born again does everything right because we know this because you and I don't do everything right. But I'm just telling you, don't lose this. Because this is the mark. This is the sign. God is love. 
And, and it's just a big deal to him because it's re- repeated over and over again in many scriptures. You must love the brethren. It is the sign of the new birth. That It is the sign. Yes, there's a witness on the inside of you, but the outward sign is that you're born again is that you love the brethren. Remember, say, I love the brethren. You love the sisterin' too, right? We love the brothers and we love the sisters. We don't have to agree with the brothers and sisters, but it is the mark that God is your father. It is the mark that God is your father. Don't let anyone or anything pull you from that. Isaiah 64, verse 8. I like this one. How can you tell if you're born again? Oh, yet, oh, Lord, you are the father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We're all formed in your hand. If God is your father then you present your life to him like clay and say, do your thing. Mold me. Make me. How's he going to do that? He's going to do that with the word. He's going to do that with teaching. He's going to do that with conversations that you have. He's going to do that uh, working with you. Um, We're all under construction. Get your clay up on the potter's wheel. I said, get your clay up on the potter's wheel and don't ever take it off. One of the things I've been doing this a long time, I guarantee you there is no arriving. He's always going to be working on us. Don't make that make you tired. Just understand in this short life that we have, 80 to 120 years here on the earth, that's very short compared to eternity. And everything you can learn and do now will benefit you in eternity and as we rule and reign with him. It's really important to understand that um, it's, it's not like God is always dogging you and, and um, you're never good enough. Because that's how I used to think of him as a child. That's not true. He loves you. Uh, and it's, it's, he's the one that has done it all. And we just have to receive it. But um, there is some effort on our part. There is some effort. But the, the, one of the biggest efforts is just, Lord, I'm the clay. Mold me and make me into your life, continue to make me in your likeness and in your image. I want to imitate you. I want to look like you. I want to talk like you. Thank you for giving me the mind of Christ so I can think like you. Thank you for bringing me into light and not out of the kingdom of darkness. That's what he'll do for us. And so I was thinking of those things. Um, I just want to remind, remind you, it, it is such a, you know, Jesus made a distinction. You're of your father, the devil, or of your other, of your, or you're of your father, God. Um, it's a, there's no middle, and it's obviously important. A, because your salvation depends on it, but also how you see things. And I'll just say it this way: Under, I hope I, you understand what I'm talking about. Your worldview can't be a worldly view; it has to be a biblical view. And when you look at people. And you don't see um, nation or color or uh, status or education or, uh, you know, they have or they have not or party political affiliation. And you see Father God or Father Devil. And that's where you start. Everything else is so far down the list. Because as children of God, understanding when we look at the six billion, 
We want them to be a part of the two billion. And we have to do our part to reach out to them. But we do it from the stance of we know who our father is. And if you really know who your father is, then you know the benefits that he gives you. And so I wanted to leave you today reminding you, because God is your father, there are so many benefits. And as a father, he takes care of you. Next Sunday, we're going to celebrate Father's Day, Natural Father's Day, right in the middle of my series on Father God. So I think it'll work out very nicely. Um, But God is a good father. And so let me remind you of some things that he does as a good father. 1 John 3 and 1 says he bestows. King James says he bestows his love on us. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. What manner of love? He's best- we didn't earn it. As a child, I don't have to earn his approval. He didn't love me because I was so great in my mother's womb and I did backflips and he's like, oh, he's going to be a good one. He loved me before. He loved me when I was unlovely. He never quit. See, the thing is the truth that a lot of people say, well, I thought you said God is love. Oh, his love never changes. I'll just say, he doesn't love me any more today than the day that I was backslidden. His love is equal. He's more pleased with me when I'm doing right and living right, but he doesn't love me any more or less. You meditate on that because you don't have to earn God's love. For God so loved you that he gave. His love, according to Jeremiah, is an everlasting love. And here it says he bes- what manner of, what manner, he's like, wow, the, wow, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That we should be, he loved us so much, he adopted us and called us sons. Therefore, the world knows us not because they don't know him. So they haven't experienced his love, they haven't received his love. So it's not a strange thing, they don't know us, they don't understand us. Right? They don't understand us because they have never experienced the love of God. But God, I just want you to keep knowing that. He is bestowing his love on you. He's so good. His mercies are new every morning. He loves you. He loves you. And then Matthew six twenty six. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you better than a bird? I said, are you better than a bird? Some people are not sure. They're equating us to the animal kingdom. But I'm better than a bird. I'm better than a bird. I'm better than a bear. I'm better than a whale. You know, protect all them whales. But anyway, hallelujah. But, but, but we're people. We're, 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 we're in a class. God made us in his likeness and his image. So I was telling this uh, during the pandemic. You know, you all weren't here. Did you remember that? And so no, I, um, I didn't have a, a lot to do. I still had things to do, but I wasn't, you know, it wasn't a 70, 80-hour work week or anything anymore. And so uh, um, I was home a lot, and I looked at the backyard, and I decided to become a bird feeding, have a bird feeding extravaganza. <laughs> Destiny said it's because I'm getting old, but I refused that. And so I have like six, seven, eight types of bird feeders, and I've studied out, and I'm getting every bird that would ever come to North Alabama to the feeder. Um, the other day there was, um, um, you know, uh, this blue this bluebird, but it, it's uh, called indigo. Uh, I can't think of it. 
Thank you. You did remember. I was like, I'm like, come look. It's an indigo bunting. It's kind of rare. And they're like, yeah, it's a bluebird. And, you know, it, but so I have all these bird feeders and everything. And the squirrels now love me too. And all that kind of stuff. But I was looking at it the other day in this scripture. You know, God can take care of the birds without me. I'm just doing exceedingly abundantly above. And if, if that bothers you as a nature lover, you shouldn't feed them. That's all right. Don't come tell me because I'm going to do it anyway. All right. Um, but, but listen, I was looking at it. I was just thinking about it. That's how God takes care of me. I'm better than a bird. And if a human being would go out of their way to take care of an a indigo bunting or a cardinal or a cute little um, sparrow or a mean blue jay, they're mean. But I'm much better than a bird. I'm much better than a bird. He's always going to take care of me. Come on, out loud, you say it. Say, I'm better than a bird. He's got you. He's got you. And he's going to do it exceedingly abundantly above. Luke 12, 32, Jesus says this, Fear not, little flock, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, this is even a level above that. What is the kingdom? It's everything. It's everything. It's everything spiritual. It's everything natural. This is God's. The earth is God's in the fullness thereof. There's a spiritual kingdom that comes to no end. Jesus is the king of that. And you're an heir and a joint heir of everything. And it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And one day you're going to, and you're doing it right now, but one day too, you're going to rule and reign with him forever. It is the father's good pleasure James 1.5 says, it says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Remember when you pray, you pray to the Father, ask Father God, and he gives everybody liberally, and of not, and it shall be given unto them. Listen, because God is our Father, you have his wisdom. You can have his wisdom on anything and everything. And sometimes I think we look at this and say, well, Lord, give me wisdom about your word. That's only part of it. He'll give you wisdom about everything. He can give you wisdom about your job. I remember after I got born again and I found this scripture, I would ask the Lord, we were having a problem with accounting and accounting always has to balance and this and that. And I would say, Lord, there's a problem. Where is it? And I would go home and we would all be, we, we couldn't find it. And on the morning, the next way in, he would tell me what to do. And I would go in and man, I looked like a genius. But it was the spirit of God. It was God. He knows how to do everything. I was telling this one first service and I'll tell you again. Uh, after I um, came back to the Lord, he made me quit accounting. He would never let me do it again because accounting became a God to me. It was my way out of poverty. It was my way to be a big shot. I had a plan. I was working my plan, and it was going to work. I was going to be a big duck in a very small pond. I had it planned out, and it was heading that direction. But God wouldn't let me do it anymore. He made me lay it aside. So after I got out of Bible school, I started you know, I'd need, you, if you don't work, you don't eat. And so thank God he delivered me from the golden arches. I didn't have to go back to do that. So he let me go to another thing, which was um, clothes. I kind of like clothes. I don't know if you noticed, I like clothes. So I was selling men's clothes at a place called Backracks. It was the kind of upper end. And 
So at Backrex, um, I made a small hourly rate, but everything was by uh, uh, commission. I'd never been a commissioned salesperson before. Well, this let me tell you, I wasn't doing very well. Um, I wasn't doing well at all. Um, I think we had like 10 employees and I was either number nine or number 10. And I just got really frustrated. And that's when I was an itinerant minister and I was doing a youth pastor. So I needed this money because I wasn't getting paid to be a youth pastor. And um, I just, I just, Lord, give me wisdom. Tell me what to do. If you ask your father, he'll tell you what to do. Whatever business you own, God knows more about it than you do. He knows more about your clients than you could ever think of. He knows more about the market than you could ever think of. If things aren't working well, maybe you ought to ask him for some wisdom. Or on your career, and everything, everything, God has wisdom. So I just simply said, Lord, tell me what to do. And he, he just simply said to me, quit trying to sell, just help them. Help them. He's like, you know how to dress. These guys coming in here don't. Just help them. Quit trying to sell them stuff. Because I used to, when guys would come in, these rich guys would come in and they'd have like $2,000 worth of clothes. I'd just kind of follow them around, being the one when they're ready to go to the checkout. I didn't really help them, but I wanted, I wanted I, that was a lot of money. But it never worked out. In fact, one time one guy's like, you're creeping me out. Just so I just decided, everybody say, help them. So that's, that's what the Lord said. And you know what? I decided I can't sell. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to help people. I'm just going to help them. And you know, from then on, I was either number one or number two salesperson after that. What am I talking about? Your father can give you wisdom. And it applies every day to every part of your life. It's not just spiritual. It applies practically. Y'all with me? Well, I can't leave you without this one, even though we're running out of time. If God loves you, does he love you? Everybody say, the Lord loves me. Is God your father? Is God really your father? Well, we just can't cut this off. We'll have to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 8. Have you forgotten the exhortation that speaks unto you as children? My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked. So there's some chastening and rebuke. Why? Because he loves you. Verse 6. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Oh, and he scourges. Oh, thank God for the scourging. That just sounds painful. <laughs> whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Listen to me. If you're not able to, if there's no chastening, if there's no scourging, if there's no correcting, that's when you should be worried. And the Lord doesn't correct and scourge those who are not his because, I, you know, one time, oh my gosh. Anyway, I I was just kind of almost being ornery, but halfway serious. There was someone causing me a lot of trouble. And I said, um, well, I'm going to turn them over to the devil for the destruction of their flesh. You know, anyway. And the Holy Ghost spoke up to me. He said, you can't turn over to the devil what belongs to the devil. I was kind of playing, but he wasn't. It's a big deal who you belong to. And if the Lord loves you, he's going to correct you. Does he love you? Does he love you? He loves me more than you all. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse 7. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as a son. For, who, for what son is he whom the father chastens not? Verse 8. 
But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. I'm not an illegitimate child. I belong to him. And you just have to understand this. Because he loves me, he's going to correct me. Because he loves you, he's going to correct you. Even a natural parent. If you love your children, you're going to correct them. If you love them, you're going to correct them.